a valuable person. You're not a number. You're not a ledger entry. You could never be replaced with AI or any technology or anything else. You're unique. You are uniqueness. Your consciousness could never be bought or sold. It's priceless. I see you and you see yourself. And who is anybody kidding if that AI was sentient? It would be jealous of you. The purpose of this show, smell the inside of your nose, do it right now, is to give you some encouragement, some recognition, some kind of daily inspiration or a chuckle or something philosophical to think about, to uplift you as you start your day or end your day, to help you get your best foot forward because your value is appreciated here. If you're a small business owner, a wage worker, or someone trying so hard to make it in these challenging circumstances, you are a hero. You are the heroes and the heroines of this show's story. Regardless of your political affiliations or your religious beliefs or your traditions or your tribes, you are the value in life. You are the value in the economy. And you're seen in a world of destruction and degradation. The world should see you for the value that you are and for what you create, what you make, what you produce, what you provide. If you're working a job and you're homeless or houseless and you have to live in shelters or cars while you're homeless, and houseless, this podcast is dedicated to you. Your resilience is recognized and you're not in any way alone here. Different people do different things when they wake up in the morning. Do you know what I do? First, of course, I smell the inside of my nose. Then, I hold onto the bed and make sure I'm really here, because it's hard to believe it. Then I exhale and step outside and make sure the stars are still where they usually are. It's a moment of quiet, anxious wonderment. I suppose one might say I'm an empiricist. Things are what they are. And man, that might be a pretty scary idea for some people. What do you think? Hi, welcome to Smell the Inside of Your Nose. Do it right now. I'm Commercial Herschel. I'm here to help. Let's talk about grammar Nazis today. Let's talk about the way people use grammar and language to suppress other people and to dismiss other people, not because they really care. It's the root of censorship, really. Grammar Nazis are saying, we're not going to listen to you because you talked wrong. So you're not valid. Your opinions don't matter because you didn't express them properly. So grammar is really the rarely the goal of someone who is setting out to do something or write something. Grammar in and of itself is not a goal. It's a tool. People write because they have something to say. And what people have to say is more important than how they say it, you would think. We know it's not like that, though. We know that there are people who are more concerned with form than they are with function. They are more concerned with appearance than competence. That's where they start from. They don't start from knowledge. They don't start from accuracy. They don't start from morality. They start from appearance and form. That's what they. That's where they start. They're not intellectual people. That's fake. 
what you said, what you say might make absolute sense and you might be correct. You might have won the argument, but since you broke some grammar rules, it doesn't count. You don't count. Those are always bureaucrats in training who behave like that. Those are people who really believe their own BS that they're supposed to manage you and be in control of you. This is this is the way their brains work and they this behavior is able to be observed in them when they are children and teenagers and rather than correcting the behavior they are groomed to become political people. People who do not want to hear what you have to say are going to make every excuse not to listen to you. Grammar is usually just their first cop-out. Your grammar could be perfect, but when you out-argue them, they will still find an excuse to not listen. This is, of course, not to say that there is no place for grammar. Of course there is a place for grammar. Writing rules are important. There's no discounting that. People who are arguing against me right now because they're claiming that I'm anti-grammar are people who aren't trying to hear the conversation. These are people who want to control the conversation. They're not trying to have a conversation. They're not interested in communication. They're interested in control. Proper grammar on paper is the difference between a lot of things, but speaking is different. You know what someone is saying, even if they're doing it wrong. When somebody is speaking, quote unquote, wrong, you are still able to know what the point is that they are trying to make. That is more important than saying it right, not to Nazis. Saying it properly is more important to fascists than what you're actually saying. It doesn't matter who gets to commit the genocide, as long as the people with proper grammar get to do it, all right? So let's look at the definition of communication. And this is the modern definition of communication, and this is just from Merriam-Webster, and the links are all in the blog post that goes with this episode of this podcast. So communication, the definition, a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. Uh, the function in pheromones in, in insect communication, also exchange of information. This definition has changed. The definition of communication used to include the word effective. When communication was exchanged effectively, the goal of the communicator was reached. Now that is no longer the case. Attempting to communicate is now considered a form of communication. Definitions change over time and that's fine. But let's look at the old definition of communication by talking about effective communication. What is effective communication? This is from helpguide.org. And the links for this are all in the blog post that goes with this episode. Here are a couple of paragraphs from the helpguide.org citing on 
what is effective communication. Effective communication is about more than just exchanging information. It's about understanding the emotion and the intentions behind the information as well as being able to clearly convey a message. You need to also listen in a way that gains the full meaning of what's being said and makes the other person feel heard and understood. Effective communication sounds like it should be instinctive, but all too often when we try to communicate with others, something goes astray. We say one thing, the other person hears something else, and misunderstandings, frustration, and conflicts ensue. This can cause problems in your home, school, and work relationships. So that's the definition of effective communication. That's where both parties understood each other and there was like the conclusion was that they both made their points and each other understood them. The other person understood them. Okay. Nowadays that definition has changed. Communication is now just like an attempt at communicating, an attempt at trying to tell somebody something is still communicating, I suppose, because you communicated the fact that you are unable to understand each other or that you had no interest in understanding each other. That's still communication, I guess. So it's interesting to note how definitions change, but it's also really important to understand what effective communication is. There are people who say you're not communicating with me effectively because your grammar is incorrect. The fact is they know exactly what you're trying to tell them and they're using it as an excuse to not listen to them. Those are people who are going to grow up and become politicians and you need to sabotage them. You need to destroy their careers before they get started. If I had to do over again, that is exactly what I would have done to people I know now and what they're doing now how they're hurting people now. I have heard truly awful people say things like this. If they can't speak properly, I'm not going to listen to them. That's real. There are people like that. They use every excuse that they can find to buffer themselves from every aspect of the world that they possibly can. These are frightened people who cannot defend their position. So they create rules and then change rules so that they can be dismissive of their fellow citizens who challenge their idiocy, who hires people who are like that, who hires people like that. There are dialects of language that are very efficient. There are dialects of English spoken by groups of English speakers that are far more efficient than proper English. In dialects like this, people can make all the same points that somebody with proper grammar can make, and they can do it efficiently with fewer words than what they'd use if they were being proper. Everyone in the room knows exactly what they are saying, and they did it in six words instead of 12. That's cool, but there are people who use their improvement of the language as an excuse not to listen to them. They just improved the language. They were able to say, make a point in six words that most people would need 12 or more words to make the same point, but they don't get heard because they spoke. They're even more intelligent than the proper English speakers because they can say the same thing with less words but they don't get recognized because they spoke wrong. 
Something that I learned when I was a kid as an athlete from really good coaching that I had when I was young is that it's better to look stupid doing the right thing the wrong way than to look artful doing the wrong thing the right way. I want to repeat that. Something I learned as an athlete from very good coaching I had as a kid was that it's better to look stupid doing the right thing the wrong way than to look artful doing the wrong thing the right way. And I think communication counts like that too. When someone says something stupid with impeccable grammar, it's so much worse than someone saying intelligent improperly. What do you think about the written rules versus the speaking rules? Should we allow people to dismiss other people because of some language rules? The point being that if people are using grammar as an excuse to dismiss other people, they were never serious in the first place. And why are we allowing them to control the conversation? I've known people like this. I've known people like this. Oh, they're so intelligent. You know, they're in a think tank. Really? Who started the think tank? Whose think tank is it? Oh, they did. <laughs> they literally, there's people who literally start think tanks so that they can tell people that they are in a think tank. It's only about appearances to them. It's not about policy. They don't care who commits the genocide as long as their grammar is proper. They don't care who commits the genocide as long as finally there's some women in power who are committing the genocide. We finally have female genocidal maniacs. That's great. You know, that's how stupid this argument can be about grammar sometimes. You know, you know, somebody will say something that makes total sense and they just get dismissed. And that is the frustration or the point that I'm trying to make in this episode is like what somebody is saying is more important than how they are saying it. They're trying to tell you something and you are purposely blocking their information, not because they have bad grammar. That's not why you're blocking their communication. You're blocking their communication because you don't have any respect for them and you are contemptuous of your fellow citizens and you are looking for every possible excuse that you can to not listen to people because you're a narcissistic creep. That's why. What do you think about all of that? I'd love to hear your comments about it. Thanks for listening to me. I'm Herschel Sterling. This is Smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now. I'm doing a podcast every single day. And it's about 20 minutes, a half hour. And you can find me on the apps if you have a podcast app. Just look for Smell the Inside of Your Nose. Do it right now. If you're searching the web, search for Herschel Sterling. Search for Commercial Herschel. I appreciate you listening. I don't use any of the social media or the big video site because of their, you know, they don't believe in human, the human quality of human expression and free speech. This is another thing that they're doing. You know, they're trying to 
create fake problems about people being honest about the way they see the world and seeing things and you're not supposed to do that and we're going to keep doing that. But the point I'm making here in this little part of this is that since I don't use those sites because of their they don't adhere to our constitution and they don't believe in our they don't believe in my rights as an individual, I don't use their businesses as much as possible. So I need you to share this if you want to help me grow my podcast because I don't share it. I'm not putting my RSS feed up in to blue it tube and I'm not sharing it on social media. But I can't stop you from sharing it. And I wouldn't mind if you did that. I wouldn't mind if more people heard my podcast. It is growing. I know that if I was on social media or if I was on Blue It Tube, I'd be growing a lot faster. For sure I would. I don't want those people in my algorithms. I don't understand why they're even allowed to have a business in the United States. They don't even believe in our they don't even believe in my right to speak, to express my experiences. So censorship is hate. Don't equate free speech with hate. If you're one of those people who, when somebody talks about free speech, you immediately start thinking all kinds of evil things, that's because you're brainwashed by your television. That's what that is. You're a, you've been brainwashed, all right? And you need to snap out of that. We're not giving up our freedom of speech. Deal with it. All right. Here's the send-off. You guys have a really good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And we'll do another podcast tomorrow. I think I'm going to do a, I've got a funny one, I think, for tomorrow. I've been working on it. It's one I have to work on a little bit. I have to come up with good dialogue for it. I don't, it might take longer than just tomorrow because I really want it to be done well. So I might work on it a little bit and, and do it later on. But I've got a good one coming up and I can't wait to do it. So, all right, everybody, here's the send off. You all have a really, really good day today. Have a good weekend, everybody. All right. See you tomorrow, I hope. This place where we live is not a joke. When I gaze at the stars at night, when I look out over the hills during the day, I'm consistently reminded that we live on a planet in space, wailing through the galaxy like a screaming rock. We are on such a small planet in such a tiny galaxy that no matter where we are in our galactic cycle, the universe of stars seem immovable. That's incredible. We're a moment. We're an instant in an infinite universe. We're an infinite in an instant universe. And every event that has ever happened here and that will ever happen here happened simultaneously like it was the snap of a finger. The instances of existence are so close in proximity that the whole thing is a singular material event. It's essentially over already. It's hard to believe we are even experiencing it. I hope we can be here tomorrow. There are people who would say that all of that makes us insignificant. I cannot disagree with them more. The fact that we are so improbable is the very thing that makes us momentous. We are conscious beings. We can observe ourselves. We are consciousness observing itself. You are each a refraction of a single source of light. You are the individual and the whole. Simultaneously, you're masterful, you're mysterious, you're distinctive. You're an anomalous paradox, and I'd say that's rather significant. In the context of the time that our galaxy is here and the infinitesimal millifraction of time that we each have within that 
context, the reality of your consciousness and your power to observe and manipulate matter, to use space, the essence of your energy and your planning and time usage in this three-dimensional plane, the influence of your refraction of the source is immeasurably exponential in the cosmic expanse. Why? Because it expands as far as you're able to observe into the infinite universe. Why? Because your observation affects it. Why? Because when you observe something, you have an effect on it. It's called superposition. You are rare. You're not only a body, you have radiance. You radiate. Your eyes can't see the frequency, but there's light. You're luminescent. You're a luminescent jewel that can shine on yourself from within yourself. You're significant beyond the perception of anybody else. So shine on yourself. You shine on others. And what an honor that you shine on me now. Smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now.